Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. I need a new foam on my microphone. I'm sitting here looking at this one. It's a bit tatty. Yeah, got to get me some brand new foam. But where? Where do you get foam these days? There's the Foam Hut. That's on third. Foam R Us. That's also on third. Yeah, I just got, I'll go down to the foam district this weekend and get myself some brand new foam for my microphone because Arsenal are not playing this weekend. We have a Premier League weekend. The season has just returned and we're not playing until Monday night. Crystal Palace away from home, which of course was the first game of last season, the first away game of last season too. One of those where... It was something of a marker for Arsenal, if you remember, because, um, well, things hadn't gone well there in the past. And then we turned up and won 2-0, and it set us on our way for what was a really, really enjoyable season for, well, 91% of it, or 87 I haven't worked out the percentages yet, but a lot of it. So we're hoping for a bit more of that come Monday night. We'll just have to spend the weekend, I don't know, doing all the stuff you promised you'd do around the house but haven't got around to yet because you've had too many podcasts to listen to. The gardening, clean out the garage, go to the foam district, all of those things. That's what we're going to have to do to pass the time until Monday night. Another way to pass the time, I suppose, would be to listen to this podcast. And it has been a bit of a sad week, of course, given the injury to Jurian Timber, an ACL injury, which is going to keep him out for for some time. But there is still time for Arsenal to do something in the transfer market if they so desire or if they have the, the means to do so. Will they? I don't know. We've also brought in a player this week. Officially, David Raya has joined on loan from Brentford with a view to a permanent deal um, somewhere down the line, probably next summer. So that's something we'll talk about. And this general transfer stuff, there is the increasing influence of the Saudi Arabian League on the transfer market here. And it's not as if Arsenal are immune to that. We'll talk about that and lots more with me to do so. It's Clive Palmer. Hello, Clive. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, man. I'm good. Good to see you again. Good to have you on. And, uh, you know, for people who need a bit more Clive in their lives, uh, this is it this week. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I missed you guys in the US though, didn't I, live? I you did. You, you did. Listen, I'll I'll be honest with you, it was absolutely no fun whatsoever yeah. without you. So I saw the I saw the pictures of the beach, right? <laughs> Stop trying to uh, make me feel good. <laughs> well, next time, next time for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um we'll start with a, a sort of a bum note, obviously, because the big story this week has been the injury to Jury and Timber suspected ACL, then a confirmed ACL. I suppose the one thing you might say is that based on some of the reporting that came out this afternoon, there was a guy from Sky Sports did a report from the training ground. He said he'd been talking to some of the medical staff and that the injury that he's got is is a tear to the cruciate. It's not like a complete rupture or anything like that. So I suppose it's bad, obviously, and it's a, it's a blow, as Mikel Arteta said, but it could have been worse. It could have been, and like maybe like to me and you, just walking around having a issue like that 
may not require an operation. We may just build up the knee and and uh, and go from there. But these elite sportsmen, <laughs> um, <laughs> like me, Andrew, <laughs> I think would uh, yeah. would require a little bit more surgery than that. It's um, it's a bit like putting money into like a really really old house or a really old car when you know you've got a new one. You could just buy a new one. I I don't think we're worth the investment at this point. No, just getting back out to work. <laughs> Simple as that. And so. So, yeah, that may explain some of the... I mean, it, the guy on Sky sort of spoke to the fact that he was walking around, felt mm. very little pain. When you've got big, strong muscles around your quads and hamstrings, your knee is quite stable. Mm. That's what you do the that's what you do the work for, right? So, um, and so he no doubt passed his stability test they did, and then he felt quite good. And obviously, once you get into the scan, they show the partial sort of tear, etc. So, a real shame, right? And it's not just... We all love new players, right? But it seems like... He seems like a really nice guy. Do, do you know what I mean? He mm. feels like someone we all could link to. More importantly, other players in the club seem to link to him. And on a tactical side of things, he offers so many different options on different days. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing that's really sort of... We haven't seen him yet, if you know what I mean. We, we, <laughs> we haven't seen him properly. Yeah. I think when we, when we first got him, Andrew, I was thinking right back. Right back maybe allows Ben White to cover centre-back. Yeah. I'm thinking right side of the pitch. First game right side of the pitch, he's all right. But when he went left side of the pitch, we all went, ah, oh, that looks better. You know, and then... Yeah. But it's still very early, right? So we never, we haven't seen the player really land. So it's really disappointing. I, I do wonder if we would have seen him on the left if, you know, Zinchenko had been fit, for example, mm. you know. Um, and maybe it's a case that in these uh, preseason games, my, my theory, half-baked as it might be, was that he was playing out there, one, because Zinchenko wasn't available. Uh, two, he knew what Kieran Tierney can do there. He knew what uh, Kivior could do there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, three, he wanted to get minutes into Timber because he knows that this is a player whose level can uh, can do things for the team, right? So he wanted him fit. He wanted him 100% fit or, or as fit as possible so he could start the season. Lo and, behold, uh, lo and behold, he did start the season again at left back. And like you, when he came in, I had this idea of on the left, we would have this little triumvirate of Kivior, Zinchenko and Gabriel. And on the right, you would have this triumvirate of... of um, Saliba White and Timber and then you have Tommy Asu as the guy who can do anything he can fit in yeah. anywhere but based on what we did see from Timber in the short period of time that we did get to see him on the pitch you would feel very comfortable with him playing on the left hand side and I remember uh, when we did our preview podcast over on Patreon I'm not saying this is what would happen or could happen but Phil Costa you know talked about how he could see Timber playing more advanced, not necessarily yeah. in the back four, but certainly somebody who could potentially play in midfield as part of a two, perhaps. And look, I'm not saying that that's what Arteta had in mind, but the amount of variety that he gave you in terms of positions he could play was like a big, high-quality safety net, wasn't it, in many ways, because he could do all of those things and you knew that he could do them at a very high level. He's like a higher quality Maitland Niles, right? Literally. You know, mm. Imagine that type of player when he first burst in, he could play in midfield, either side, and slightly higher up, right? So, and so that's just a, and people are going to kill me now for mentioning that name because he's, he's left the club. But when he first came in, he was that very versatile player that couldn't land in the spot. When you see Timber on the ball, he is excellent wherever the ball is. So, wherever he's back to goal, facing goal, left wing, right wing, centre mid, centre back, any spot on the pitch, he seems to be look okay there. So when you see that, when you're looking at the YouTubes and your white scout, etc., when you're looking at that, you do what Phil's done, you extrapolate forward and think, I wonder if we could use him here, I wonder if we can use him there, which adds to disappointment. We haven't seen him anywhere else yet. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. We haven't seen the tactical options being realised yet. And um, football is becoming, though, Andrew, far more about one-on-ones one-on-ones physically and technically, and that's where I think he really stood up. Uh, I went to Charity Shield, one-on-ones on that day, no problem. Mm. No problem whatsoever. And he was barely fit. If he can handle them, he can handle anybody. You know, that was the thing that really excited me. And um, 
That's why I'm so gutted this week. And the more than I am normally about an injury, I don't know why, this one sort of really hit me a little bit because I think we're really missing out on potential options. And Yeah. It's not just the fact that he gave you depth in the squad. It's the fact that he looked like a really, really good player. And I know that, you know, quite often when a player comes into a club, you only look at the good things they can do. A new mm. signing comes in, you go, look what he does there, look what he does there. And then over time, you know, you get to know the player a bit and their strengths and weaknesses become uh, apparent. But there's no question that this guy technically was was excellent in the little time that we saw him. He's a, an excellent defender across both sides and um, was very good, of course, for Ajax, which is why we went out and spent all that money on him. So I, I'm with you. I'm, I feel really, really sorry for him that it's happened so soon into his into his Arsenal career. And then, of course, we're all worrying about, well, what happens now? Where do we go from here? What is the what is the contingency plan here? And of course, Arteta was asked about it in in the press conference today. Asked about you know is is the club thinking about going into the market? And he was you know giving very little away. The practical side of this, right, is that you've signed a player for five years who's going to be out for six, seven months, maybe, maybe a bit more, hopefully no more than that. And you have invested in that player for at least that period of time because you feel like he can bring something to your team. And there will be a fair amount of clamor to do something else in the transfer market to try and make up for his absence. And I'm I'm just wondering about how realistic you think that is. Currently, a squad with 33 players in it, maybe a few, uh, a few less now in a couple of days. Alex Runison has been linked with a move to Cardiff. Not that anybody's thinking too much about him. Nuno Tavares linked with Nottingham Forest. Again, you know, not somebody people were necessarily counting on as an option, even though he is, yep. you know, on paper anyway a left back or a left-sided defender, you know, so he he could provide you that kind of a thing. But Arsenal have a a squad that's too big. And James made a a really interesting point in his latest video about the structure of the deal for David Raya is in part because we've spent a lot this summer and haven't brought a great deal in and need to kick that financial can down the road a little bit. So there isn't it doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of cash sloshing around there for a new player, not least because there isn't really space in the squad for a new player until we get some players out anyway. And we we can talk about that, I suppose, in a moment. But, you know, how do you deal with that side of things? Like if you go out and you buy another player, an analog of Jurian Timber, in six months or seven months' time, you've got two of them. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing because the more options you have, the better. But the reality is that that sometimes you just have to deal with a player being absent with what you've got rather than the market itself. Yeah, in a strange way, this sort of puts a bit of pressure on a couple of players in our squad right now. And that is, for me, Tommy Asu. Mm-hmm. And potentially Kivior, maybe less so, but Tommy Asu definitely... And- I'll tell you why. And it's actually Andrew Allen that got triggered my thought on this, actually, because he sent out a tweet earlier today. I hope it's accurate. <laughs> it said, um, we got African Nations and the Asia Cup in January. Mm. And that means we're going to potentially lose Thomas Party and Tommy Asu. So we may not need to do something right now. But in January, in maybe a new financial fair play window, we can do something and should do something and may need to do something. Mm. Now, depending on the form of a Tomiyasu, we may say, you know what, you've done okay, but maybe we're not offering you a new contract. So we're going to buy somebody that complements a returning timber and maybe puts Tomiyasu under more pressure, for example. Mm. If Kivio's kicking it in his own net, maybe we'll look at that and say, you know what, maybe we do need another lefty. Same in there. So I think who can play both sides centre back sort of thing. So I think if I'm the club right now, obviously we all want to see our squad as, as fulsome as possible. And um, with new players coming in, all the players we want to be sold, sold at the exact prices that we want to be sold in a timely fashion. Thank you very much. 
It doesn't seem to be happening like that right now. It feels a little bit edgy. So I would hold till January and then reassess at that point. And and Arteta sort of he intimated today, didn't he, mate? He sort of said, my job is to get the most out of the players that we have, yeah. which is a classic coach response, you know? He flipped between coach and manager very seamlessly, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, when it comes to the environment side of things, you hear the manager side of him. When then you talk about players, you hear the coaching side of him. I think he's a very, very clever man. So I would hold for now until January. But January comes, and that's when you reassess and see you are in the league and go, right, we've got to press the button because we have a chance here, which we all feel anyway right now. Mm. But we have a real chance, and we know exactly where we are. He was asked... Was it an opportunity for Kieran Tierney? And he said it's an opportunity for everybody in the squad. Again, a classic Arteta answer, deflecting, not really giving anything away. And I was really curious to see the Newcastle, the stories about Newcastle going after this Chelsea left yeah, back. Lewis, Lewis Hall. Yeah. So the story was Newcastle can't afford to pay anything for Kieran Tierney. They won't take him on loan with an option, similar kind of maybe uh, deal that we have done for David Ryan. We'll talk about him in a minute. But that was the story. FFP, Newcastle, despite being the richest club on the planet, have to abide by FFP rules, or at least be seen to abide by FFP rules. And they can't pay what Arsenal want for Kieran Tierney, but they can pay something in the ballpark of what Arsenal wanted for Kieran Tierney for a, a kid with, you know, a handful of, of professional appearances yep. to his name. Now, that might be in large part to do with what Newcastle want, what kind of a player they want, how they're building their squad, you know, how they view the uh, the construction of their squad going forward to invest in the potential of a young English player now and, you know, reap the benefits down the line, whatever it might be. But, I mean, does it say anything to you about the stock of Kieran Tierney right now among other Premier League clubs? Because I have to say, like, despite the fact I think Arsenal as a sort of tactical team have outgrown Kieran Tierney or have sort of left him behind a little bit, not every club in the Premier League plays like this. And there yep. are plenty of clubs in the Premier League who could do with a really good traditional, if you want to call it that, like that, left back. So have you been, A, surprised, you know, that that uh, there hasn't been more interest in him? And B, I mean, do you think that he could provide something of a safety net until we get to that January point at which uh, which stage we assess where we are? He, he can do um, for, for our safety net, but I'm I'm not sure. I I think stylistically, Andrew, what we do in our back five now, our five back and our five up. I just think he's somebody that wants to traverse between the two too much, and we don't want that on that side of the pitch. We want something else, and so um, we want control. We want people that can counter press. We want people to stay in their places until they know when to leave it, and. That, and, he's, and he plays with his heart on his sleeve, right? And he disappears and he puts big bang crosses in and big tackles and big clearances and channel balls, right? And there are teams that love that. You know, Aston, Aston Villa would like that. Mm. You know, that that could be a rumour. I, I do think people are being a little bit smarter around squad building. When we bought all the kids two, three years ago, people laughed at us over paying for players, etc. But actually, look at our squad value now. We have nearly the most valuable squad in the, in the world on paper because their ages and their contract lengths, where they are, mm. all 24, 25. So maybe Newcastle, then they're not just going for Hall, but they also bought Tino Livramento from Southampton, who's a kid that came out of Chelsea. I think Arsenal would have had him if he didn't do his cruise yet a couple of years ago. He just came back to health and fitness and they've paid for him. Mm. Probably overpaid for him. But when... When Trippier comes out of that team, they've got a ready-made replacement. And he is an England-level player in mm. a couple of years' time. You know, So I think he's very smart squad building. For me, I'm thinking Kieran Tierney, Newcastle, 30 million. Thank you very much. He works for you right now. But they're thinking, can we get away with Dan Byrne and Matt Target and, and have, a, have a youngster and build him up sell one of those older players eventually mm. and then have a young player with a Premier League minutes in his back pocket and suddenly that money becomes 60 million very, very quickly. Mm. We've seen it, haven't we? Recently with Kaiseido. Look what happens. Yeah. 40 games, 
4 million to 115 very quickly i mean yeah it's 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 hard to sort of square the circle of you know those prices and the way chelsea are are operating um mm. but that that is the reality of of what's going on in this market like uh, you know i have to say this part of me is going jesus like every other club is selling fucking everyone for all kinds of prices and we are Apart from us <laughs> we are really struggling and it's not as if you know some of the play i mean that was the thing about this summer is like well you know you're you're not trying to sell your Mustafis and Socratises. You're trying to sell a Kieran Tierney, a Rob Holding, you know, a player who, while they might not be creme de la creme, is certainly good enough to play for most Premier, or not most, but but many Premier League clubs. And those offers don't appear to be materialising. So, do you think it's um just the way these things are being managed? Do you think we're just managing it a lot more closely, or do you think there's just zero happening? You know, because I don't I'm know. I'm fifty fifth on it, mate, to be honest, but I don't I don't know. I mean I've been like pretty much everybody else really encouraged by the way we have changed our recruitment and brought players in. And I think mm. we've we've ramped it up, of course, you know, this summer where we've said, right, we're gonna go and get a big boy. We're gonna go and play we're gonna fish for sharks. And, you know, uh we did that and we we held off someone like Manchester City to get Declan Rice, which I think is a huge statement. But but where I was looking for, you know, more maybe this summer was the departure lounge. Who's going to go? What are we going to get for them? You know, what prices uh, are we going to bring in? And that's valuable. That's Im- important because, you know, something like this does happen, right? So you sell well and you have an unfortunate situation where Timber has his injury and you're like, well, fuck. But at least we've got that money and that money and that money and that money which means we can maybe push a little bit. And I do wonder if, you know, um, the next couple of weeks might might uh, might tell us something about what's going to happen in that regard. Yep. Look, my saying is you can the, the world changes in a tweet, mate. It <laughs> yeah. comes in from the right person and yeah. suddenly we have clarity, don't we? You know, mm. And that's how we're all living at the moment. Scroll, scroll, refresh, refresh. And we're just waiting for the news that we quite like, you know. So we're I waiting. think... We're waiting think, for the orange bomb, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And um, and I do think this market is probably harder than most to read um, due to the Saudi Arabia factor, which I'm sure we'll touch on. So, we, yeah, we'll come to that. I mean, so does now a triumvirate of Tommy Asu, White, Saliba on the right, Kivior, Gabriel, and Zinchenko on the left, with players like Thomas Partey, even Declan Rice, who can drop back into that back line, does that give you enough depth at the back to get to January without compromising what you want to do in midfield if you should need to do it? I'd like to say yes, but there's a couple of high-risk factors there, isn't there? And Dinchenko played mid-20s games last year. Mm. Tommy Asu, unlucky with injury. I don't, I'm loath to call him injury prone because mm. he did his calf didn't he and we dragged him back a bit quick and they did it again and then when he came back he was just finding a bit of form and he literally slipped over on the turf and did his knee right so different mm. different injury i'm hoping that the timeout has allowed him to uh, rebalance himself and get himself back to the player that when he arrived he had a similar impact as timber almost in our minds mm-hmm. you know and um we're quick to forget, aren't we? We're quick to forget how impressive he was when he came in. And and he does perform a lot of those roles in a slightly different way. But as I keep saying, it's important that, for me anyway, where I look at football, mate, shut the back door. You know, make sure you can defend. If you can defend properly, you can. we've got enough ability to create and score the goals we need to score. The only time I get wired, I know it sounds very rudimentary, but when we start conceding twos, I'm not happy. Like, that means yeah. we've lost our stability. And um, when we have it, we're a really good side. And so Tommy Asu can play a role in that. I'm convinced he can do that until Christmas, and then we go again. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, the market is open for basically another two weeks, I think. And mm. uh, it'll close uh, September 1st, I think. So we'll find out. And hopefully they can move some players on. But we did make another addition to the squad this week. Officially, David Raya was brought in. And I think 
it was interesting to listen to Arteta today, particularly in relation to, you know, in the context of, I should say, the timber injury. And he was asked about uh, Raya and he said, um, if it happened uh, to Jurian Timber, it can happen to our goalkeeper. You need to be prepared because uh, the question will be, um, if you've got two uh, goalkeepers of this quality, if Aaron is to sustain a, a cruciate injury, then what do you say? And he said the reason he brought him into the squad was better qualities for our game model. It's very simple. That was the first line of his answer. And I was yeah. a bit like, ooh, is he talking about Ramsdale here? But no, he's talking, you know, I think about Matt Turner and yeah. how interchangeable, I suppose, Ryan Ramsdale would be when it comes to the style of play uh, that we want to um, implement, you know, and obviously I think they're different goalkeepers in some ways, different strengths, different weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to ball at the feet, keeping possession at the back, maybe sparking some long, uh, long passes, counterattacks, those kinds of things, you can see how, how they do. But it, it is an interesting point, isn't it? Because if your goalkeeper picks up an injury and Ramsdale, uh, I believe, you know, played through injury, last season he went didn't he break a finger during the world cup or something like that in in training mm -hmm. in the world so. cup and he played you know with a broken finger for parts of the season um it gives you that safety net that security and there are questions i think about the load being placed on players that goalkeepers perhaps have been more or less immune to but courtois obviously did his uh, last week or the week before so there are victims, if you want to call it that, of the schedule from front to back. So do you think that might have played a part in the thinking of this? I think I think Arteta's talking to us, Andrew, and, and we need to start listening, mate. I think the end of season, lessons learned meeting, I would have loved to have been in that because if you were anywhere near the ground when we lost to Brighton, it was very, very obvious how disappointed people were. Mm. and how things can quickly change. And if you're the manager of a football club and you're heading in the right direction, you look at your squad and you want to de-risk it. You want to de-risk it in every position that you can and lift the quality. If you want to change a culture from being a, a culture of, let's, let's put our principles in place, let's understand how we all want to live, and the last phase of that is now we want to win. How do you do that? And you do that by creating a level of competition everywhere and apps everywhere, not some places and keep your favorites nice and happy everywhere. And I think the Ramsdale Raya thing for me was an opportunity to make the squad stronger and put somebody under pressure and set an example about where we're going. Right. So mm. someone who's been invested in has a new contract, you know, has a four or five year in his back pocket. So not as if the club don't like him. There's a there's a market opportunity with David Raya because that goalkeeper is still cheap at thirty million, mm -hmm. right? So, so whatever happens, the club is protected financially. It's also protected on the field from how we play. There's another aspect to this, and I think something I had a little ran earlier about is about um, how we analyse goalkeeping positions. We have this thing where well, the goalkeeper must always play. He must always play. And I think to myself, why? Why must the goalkeeper always play? I've seen Ramsdale when he's been overplayed, play for England and throw four in, right, against Hungary. I, I've seen it when he when he shouldn't have played the end of the season at all, and I've seen him when he's not been mentally right to play a game. Why are we treating this position so, so starkly differently? With the, the way the game is, the way the goalkeepers are used now to create overloads at the base of your team, they're playing a lot of them out on pitch a lot, having touches, having plenty of touches. And the way we want to play, you want a goalkeeper higher up to really be part of our base pod of our team. Why can't we do this? Why can't we every now and again change a goalkeeper? I think we have to change our mindsets to where the game is going. And I think the goalkeeper rules changing with the no one allowed in penalty box, the game changed for a goalkeeper. It just changed. And our analysis of that position and how it could be used, I think lacks a bit of maturity, and and my, myself included in that. And I think we need to grow our, our minds around what a goalkeeper can do for your team, mm. can do distribution-wise. And I think eventually we'll all start to think about having two high-quality goalkeepers 
and why not? And it will become much more normal thinking than it is today. I'm really curious to see if that is the case. I really am. I mean, I, I, I feel like part of this is, you know, Ramsdale is a player who, by his own admission, needs the motivation, needs to find the motivation mm. even within games when he talks about bantering with the opposition fans and then he like switches back on and he's got a he's got these little tricks that help him concentrate yeah. within the games and they work for him because he's got to where he's got because of that but i don't know if you feel any pressure from matt turner with all due respect to to matt yeah. turner i don't think you feel i don't think you feel that pressure the the debate about whether a goalkeeper should always play or feel comfortable or feel secure or feel reassured by the manager. I do wonder if that comes down to a question of of confidence. Yeah. Is that a position where perhaps more than any other confidence is is absolutely key? I and mean, it's true of you know players in every position. If you're confident, you're going to play well. If you're not confident, uh you're you're going to struggle at times. But to create that kind of mentality within a squad where, okay, you're our number one goalkeeper. We've given you a four or five year deal because we really like you, but now rise to this challenge. And if you can do it, brilliant, because that means we get a better goalkeeper. If you can't yeah. do it, it means we've got a good goalkeeper who's going to be in there. But I would imagine if that's what Arteta is trying to do, if down the line, David Raya is the Arsenal number one, at some point, there will be a goalkeeper bought to do exactly the same thing to him. Yeah. And Ramsdale said it himself, didn't he? He says, I've come in and I've ripped a shirt of people's back, so why do I think it's not going to happen to me? Mm. And I, and this is this is elite football. I don't think that my goalkeeper scenario works for all clubs, but it does work for clubs in the Champions League and who have international goalkeepers are going off on international squads. I think it can work for those teams those 60 game a season teams mm. I, I really do think it can and I think that's because that's what's going to happen a lot more you can see you can see it you can see it Arteta said in his conference today about the next 36 months as a schedule is just incredible mm. you know and something needs to happen and something does need to happen because everything is expanding we talk about goalkeepers Andrew but I just see him as footballers you know, and footballers are living in an environment every single day and within that bubble. And I could, it's just going to reach a point when it's going to become unsustainable. You know, and um, is it though? Because, you know, that's what people have been saying for a long time. It's, you know, you can't keep playing, you can't keep playing, you've got to give them time off. And, and the reality is that the organizations, FIFA, UEFA, the football clubs themselves, they don't. And they won't because there are commercial demands and there are financial demands or, or financial opportunities, you know. And I, I just – I completely agree with Arteta, by the way, you know. It's too mm. late for the next 36 months. You know, the World Cup, the new Champions League schedule, this uh, FIFA Club Cup thing, um, Europa League, uh, what do you call it, the fucking Conference League, the internationals, the international friendlies, the international tournaments, the preseason tours. When are these players going to get rest? And I realize that for some people listening to this, sympathy is in short supply because, yeah. you know, they earn a lot of money, they've got a great life, they play football. And other people are just kind of struggling from day to day. So why should we feel any particular sympathy for footballers? I get yeah. that, you know. But at the same time, people who are struggling to make ends meet, part of you know their financial outlay every year might be their season ticket. Might yeah. be the ticket to go and see their football club every week or every couple of weeks at home. And they go and they see a new signing get an ACL on his first um appearance or they go and the quality of the game is diminished because players have been playing all summer they haven't had any rest or you know across the league and across Europe we've seen lots of injuries um in in the last couple of weeks which feel like a direct consequence of the uh, of the schedule that these players are, are are taking part in so while I can see why common sense should apply I don't know how it's going to. I don't know either. I don't want to sympathise, but obviously Man City have lost Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, he's going to knock me back till next year. And 
I was watching play last night in Athens, I think he was, 110 degrees on a Wednesday night and the league have given them Newcastle on Saturday. Cheers. <laughs> you know, now obviously yeah. <laughs> we're Arsenal people, right? So we're saying we'll stroll on. <laughs> Deal yeah, with that. sure, sure. But we, we're also football people and that could easily be us playing on a on a Wednesday night in a in a hot Champions League venue and and our friends at uh, TNT Sports stick us on at 12 o'clock kickoff on Saturday morning. Yeah, and it's happened. It's happened before. It's happened before. It? Yeah, yeah. And it, it is, and it's just not right. It's almost like we're 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 not making it fair and equitable. If even though we know it's not, if that makes sense. Yes, you know I, mean? I know. I know. What you mean. It's not fair. It's not fair. If it's Man City, or I want the same for for everybody. You know, and um, may it isn't going to change. Money talks. People are saying we we talked about US earlier on, and a fantastic, fantastic tour, fantastic for the club. We saw I say that 20% of all retail sales are now coming out of the US market. I love that. How's that grown? How does that happen? That happens by reaching out to those fans. And mm. how do you do that best? By going there. You know, and, um, and it was a fantastic experience for all those who went, who really, really enjoyed it. Now, it's very difficult to say, oh, I need to just cut some of these games out and then we do that, you know, and then... And we focus on the League Cup, which is important to the lower league teams in the league. So it's very, very difficult to find that balance. But someone needs to sit down. Then we have the other question, who is that going to be? Right? And yeah. Who really does it? Right? So. Yeah, well, it just looks like um, for the next 36 months anyway, these players are going to be uh, flogged into the ground. And, you know, I, I realize as well that this isn't always a subject that people want to listen to or, or talk about or whatever. But, you know, we've lost Timber. If one of our, uh, you know, favorite players picks up an injury throughout this season, that is probably because of the schedule, you know, and it's not just the physical schedule. You know, players can get tired mentally as well and they make a wrong decision. They make a bad decision in a challenge or something like that. You know, you can be the, the guy who makes the challenge or the guy's on the wrong end of the challenge. You know, it's not just about, oh, my hamstring is gone or my ACL or whatever. There there are other aspects to this too. But, you know, football is, is eating itself before our very eyes and the demand is there. People want it. And uh, as long as people want it, people will get it because there are people out there who are in power who will give it to them. So let's see. Let's talk a little bit about Martin Odegaard. Mm. In a world in which transfer fees have gone absolutely insane. I think it's not unreasonable to say that. Yeah. How incredible a piece of business does it look that we got this player from Real Madrid for 30 million or 35 million, whatever it might be. When you see, again, I realize this is Chelsea doing the Chelsea thing that nobody can really get their head around, but they're paying 60 plus million for Romeo Lavia, who's 19 years of age, who's played one season in the Premier League. And we've gone and got one of the best playmakers in Europe you know, taking a chance, maybe. But talk of a new contract for him and an extended deal. It is unquestionably one of the most important things that Arsenal have got to get done still, I think. They've done really well. They've got Saka tied down, Martinelli, um, William Saliba, Gabriel, We'll talk about him in a sec, maybe. <laughs> but but Martin Odegaard, captain of the club, high performer, a guy who's only going to get better and more influential. And you know, hopefully this is one they can get over the line pretty quickly. Mate, um, when you mentioned his name, I thought, you, do you know something I don't? <laughs> but, <laughs> but actually, um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. No. Um, yeah, and, and um, because he's... We're, we're pretty comfortable in, in what we're building and he's a key part of that and Hannah's been made a key part. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm not worried about it, but yeah, I remember doing podcasts and doing discussing who should we get, Buendia, Madison or or Odegaard? And we were just debating it. Yes. <laughs> that, de- that debate feels ridiculous now, doesn't it? And, yeah. And that just shows you how someone can improve and influence the club in a positive way. And um, yeah, he's an absolute role model for the, for the club an absolute role model and 
the, I think um, his influence is he's yet to be fully told by people within the club to the outside world. Mm. That I just think he's uh, been an exceptional captain. The only thing that's going to seal the deal is when he's lifting something over his head, right? And I think that's the that's when people realise, you know, yeah. that's what you get judged on against our historic captains. And um, but yeah, he's an absolutely brilliant captain. We just just did a final piece now, so that can be solidified. Yes. Yes, trophies. There was a clip, I think it was from the Community Shield. I can't remember if it was when we won the penalty shootout or when Trossard's goal went in, mm. but he was over celebrating with the fans. And he just, he did, the, he did this on, you know, did the thing on his badge, but he was just shouting at them, believe, believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he seemed like a shy kid when he arrived at first, didn't he? Yeah. And there were questions about, should he be the captain? Is he the right choice to be the captain? Is he the right kind of personality to be the captain? And I think there are elements of Arteta in him, if you like, that sort of steeliness that isn't necessarily uh, on the surface, but deep down, you know, to go to Real Madrid at 15, you've got to have some measure of self-belief to do that, even if... You know, there are probably other reasons behind it or, or you know, there's a big sell, a big push. This is what we're going to do for you. This is the biggest club in the world. All of that kind of stuff. You still have to back yourself to go to Real Madrid. And look, it, ultimately, it didn't work out for him. But that can happen to lots of players at lots of clubs. But he's come to Arsenal and I think the the development of him, not only as a as a player, but as a character has been absolutely fantastic. And Arteta talking about maybe it was during his loan spell and he said something along the lines of, you know, Martin needs to get in the box more and score more goals. And nobody really thought about that as part of who he was because he's got this wand of a left foot. So you're thinking, well, you know, get him in there, let him thread those balls through for the likes of Saka Martinelli, whoever it might be. And, and we didn't really see him as that, but he's combined those two things in a really efficient and, um, end producty way there is the technical term yeah well to me yeah i think um i think he shares a lot of the uh, continuous improvement mindset arteta has mm. to push himself to the absolute limit to improve yeah you know he, he, he looks like one of those guys first in last out doesn't he you know and um and 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 that's the what he wants arteta wants more of those guys you know and, mm -hmm. um, people that really want to ask questions about how they can improve want to learn want to influence want to lead and um I did, you know, in the Man City game, in some of the big games, he has sometimes gone a bit quiet in some of the big games. And I was really impressed with him in the last 20, actually, that when the game was a little bit rocky, that's when he stood up. I mm -hmm. think that's something that we need to do more of if you want to win the big moments. You know, we're looking at, we're having one big gap analysis in our minds, aren't we, about last year to this year. And yeah. That's the thing we want to really change when momentums are going against us, can we change those momentums back in our favour? And what do we need to do? How do we extract more performance from ourselves? And and he leads the way in that. We do everything he does. First over the top on the press, first showing for the ball from from deep, turning around and getting this going. And yeah, a very vital player. Here's a story that's um, doing the rounds at this moment in time. We talked about selling. We talked about mm. the need to bring in money. Following Balagoon and Spurs. Oh. <laughs> I mean, wh where do you stand on this? Because I'm absolutely like, go fuck yourselves. And while you're going and fucking yourselves, go fuck yourselves a little bit more. <laughs> like, I, I recognize our need to bring in money. I recognize how useful that might be. I also recognize that Balagoon is, is you know, one of our more valuable options. But I couldn't countenance that i just couldn't i don't want to look at my screen because i'm gonna upset myself <laughs> but, um, it's just a rumor in fairness during yeah. the rounds but you know there's also a rumor of fulham as well isn't there out yeah there, a little one i'm not sure how how that is and the monaco one i, I want that to reappear because i watched monaco i think he would suit them really well and um not a bad place to live is it Andrew? No. so i think that'll be uh that suits my brain shall we say they yeah. can find the money and um I, I just think a lot of these stories are to be told. I the next two to three weeks, mate, is going to be incredible. You know, as the the poker starts and people really start to look at what they have, 
watching the games last weekend, how many incomplete teams did you see? You know, we saw the high profile teams, obviously Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about them. None of them are complete, are they? No. You say, you know, West Ham, what are they doing? The the teams that are supposed to be at the bottom, they now had a first taste and thinking, crikey, we that player can't cut it, so we need to change him. Mm. And that's where you're going to see things move in the next two, three weeks. You know, No need to do it now, but soon you're going to say, look, if we want to stay here or stay in this league, we've got to build on this. And this is where, you know? Yeah. It's almost like, oh, this is a discovery exercise for a lot of these clubs. And that's why I think the market will move soon. The existential threat, if you want to call it that, of, of Saudi Arabian money is is something that the Premier League is is having to deal with. Some clubs are obviously benefiting from that, Newcastle, for example, in terms of ownership, but also getting a massive fee for, you know, a player who would not have got that much money if he, he'd gone elsewhere. There are whispers about Gabriel and mm. Saudi Arabia. Do you take at face value 100% face value, the idea that the team selection last weekend against Nottingham Forest was tactical and maybe not influenced by something else because, you know, after 73 games, consecutive starting, he's left on the bench and a day later, these stories about interest from Saudi Arabia start to emerge. The player's agent is somebody, you know, who we've, had some concerns about in the past. Uh, he is, you know, um, in the Kia Jarabjian, um stable, if you like. Do you do you have any wor- uh, worries about that? I'm trying to ignore these worries because I think... Uh, I, well, that means I you have they, them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to ignore them because I like the player a lot. Obviously, his partnership with Saliba has been life-changing for us, shall we say. Mm. Right? And when they're on the pitch, we're not bad. So I'm trying to ignore this but it feels so left field that it makes you think what's going on here yeah i tactically i completely dismissed it by saying to myself not far as had the the lowest possession stats of all last season we're gonna have the ball we don't need that our best defender who's probably our worst build-up player let's add another build-up player into the mix to completely dominate them and win the game it sort of happened until they scored and we whipped Gabriel on the pitch in 2.2 seconds later, yeah, right? And then, exactly. Yeah. So and then you realise how important he is. So I explained it away to myself last weekend, but he still hasn't gone away. And it brings me back to that unpredictability of what Saudi Arabia can do. And I mentioned this earlier, and I've got to mention it again because it's really important. The Saudi Arabian transfer window doesn't close when our window closes. And it's going to be so interesting to see what happens, you know? Mm. And it's, I think, Andrew, it's two to three weeks after. And so, just looking it up here, just in case. Yeah, and that is going to cause problems, right? And so it's going, it's going to make people think there's another place for players to go. Mm. So we used to send them to Turkey when our window shut just after. We didn't really go to Turkey like a day or so later. That's right. But what's going to happen if you know if that's if that's accurate? What's going to happen is we're going to start to see a number of players go to different clubs potentially because we're not the only ones with a bit of lucky sitting in the departure lounge. You see what I mean? Yeah. We're not the only ones, and there's going to be a number of players who, who are going to want to play. You know, they're going to want to play, and that could be a way to playing, even if it's a loan deal. And that's going to create a swell of Premier League players going to Saudi Arabia that we maybe didn't expect at an age we didn't expect. Yeah. And that will give them a sort of basis for next summer. And then what? Then the Gabriel store, we may not be able to dismiss so easily. Yeah. Does that mean? It's the 20th of September uh, is when the Saudi Arabian transfer window closes. I mean... I am reminded of what happened in golf, you mm. know, uh, and the way that that came into being. And then the compromise, if you like, was an amalgamation. And I think football is a bit too big and a bit too complicated to, uh, you know, and individualistic as well, because the individual players and what have you. But this is, um, this is a threat to the Premier League, because until now, Premier League 
has been the richest league in the world, basically. The richest league in Europe. And look, there was the Chinese League a while back, and they threw a lot of money around, and then they stopped doing that. But I I don't think that's going to happen here. I don't think that uh, this is like a a flash-in-the-pan kind of thing. It's not going to go away. Uh, Yeah, we're a bit tired of this now. We'll give it up, you know, in six months' time. I I don't know that that's the case. Um, So it is going to be something that I think we have to contend with. And Arteta has made a couple of comments recently about the market. You know, there are things that we can control and things that we can't control. And the market is one of those things. And the market now isn't just other Premier League teams. It isn't trying to get the best deal possible from a a team in France or a team in Spain or a team in Germany for a player you no longer want, they have to set themselves up now to expect uh, Saudi Arabian clubs to come in and pay big fees and huge money to players to attract them there in the first place. And footballers can make all kinds of connections with clubs and fan bases and cities you know they go there they might feel at home and all the rest of it but they're all very aware that this is an extremely short career and there are no bonus points really for loyalty there's no bonus points or or uh, dollars in the bank or anything like that for uh, you know for sticking around just because you like a place and i'm not saying that's the only motivation but I think it is something that, you know, Arsenal and other clubs are really going to have to pay attention to and 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 deal with because these, if you want to call them threats, because I feel like it is a threat when somebody comes and wants to take one of your best players, whether it's Manchester City or whether it's a club in Saudi Arabia, it's a threat to you and your, yeah. your organization. This is a threat that they're going to have to take very, very seriously. I think so, Andrew. They're not going away. World Cup 2030 or, or 34, that's that's their goal. I heard something today, I just read it briefly, so I need to validate it, but that the Saudi League want a Champions League place in the next couple of years. You know, if that happens, that changes things. Now, of course, there's UEFA rules mm-hmm. around financial fair play, which we know are so robust. Yeah. <laughs> and the penalties are so severe, that's going to really keep them in order. And so, but it, it starts to, what it does, it starts to signpost the potential end game you know and mm. then you create a, a competition route which is similar then we started talking earlier didn't we about over playing players well, what if they can say to a player we can give you more money but the league's only 18 clubs do you know what i mean mm. you know what i mean and you're not having to play 60 games a season here suddenly as a premier league you have to look at your conditions of the people that work with you then you might start to take games out of the calendar. And that's yeah. what happened in golf. Liv created a situation where the, the, other, the other golf, the PGA had to look at the amount of tournaments they had, the amount of travel the players had, and they realized they couldn't compete. These guys have the ability to buy not just golf and football, but to buy sport. The <sighs> whole of sport that they want to buy, they can do it. Tennis, boxing, the lot. If they want it, they can have it. You know, this that's the sort of money we're talking about. They're going for football. Why? The reach is so global. Yeah. Millions and millions and millions of people follow this game on a on a daily basis. And so why not? That's the best way to reinvent yourself. This is gonna this is gonna dominate our conversation, Andrew, in the next couple of years. I promise you that. It's not going away. What do you make of you know Neymar going to uh to Saudi Arabia? On the one hand it sort of feels inevitable yeah given the previous choice that he made because i think if you leave barcelona for psg you've played your hand or you've shown you know who you are who you are what your priority is in sporting terms anyway right so ending up there ending up in saudi arabia for for vast amounts of money makes an awful lot of sense at the same time he's still you know a global star and and all the rest of it i mean maybe not so much what you think of his move there, but what you think of how his career has played out when you think of the sheer talent and the sheer ability that he had and the the choices that he has made as a footballer. Yeah, he's made a he's made a call early, didn't he, to um 
to separate himself away from Barcelona, which had probably that whole move has wrecked that club, hasn't it? You know, around the issues around Neymar arriving at Barcelona, how it happened, and then him mm. leaving Barcelona, has caused him so many political issues. Goes to PSG, doesn't quite achieve, um, not quite as professional as he once was, you know. If anything, I'm surprised it took him so long to get to Saudi Arabia. You know, honestly, because you can see that he's almost semi-retired anyway when it comes to the football, which is a real shame mm. because the memories we have, and I'm one of those, I was, you know, the Barcelona teams are some of my favourite teams, you know, what, the, what what they produce. I just I can't, you know, can't disguise it. The football that they had during Pep's era and then followed on was just the best I've ever seen, you know, and... Um, and he was part of some of those teams. It feels a real shame that that sharp player, that super sharp carrying player mm. that had everything has just stopped. And maybe it's a byproduct of, you know, the Gareth Bell syndrome, right? You have so much, so much, you know, and you've won most things. The motivation is not always easy to find for everybody, mm. you know, and... um Unless you live in their shoes and in the bubble in which they live in, I, I'm sort of loath to criticise, you know, because um, what do you do when you've achieved everything financially, you've achieved most things on the pitch, and then someone's offering more money at you, more money at you. It's very, very, very difficult to sure. um, keep that edge, mate, keep that edge. Yeah. One man maybe uh, just straying away from, from Arsenal who has made a different decision for now is, is Michael Olise, who won't mm. be in Crystal Palace's team when we face them on on Monday, but was linked with Chelsea. Chelsea apparently had uh, activated a clause in his contract. It looked like they were going to buy yet another player, but he signed yeah. a new deal at, at Crystal Palace. I mean, clearly what, what Chelsea are trying to do is just stockpile as many good young players as possible, um, I mean, they're going to face some shit down the line when they're trying to get rid of guys with six or seven years left on their contract who haven't worked out, but that's their problem. And as and when it happens, I will laugh heartily at them. Um, but that's kind of almost like a feel-good story, isn't it? Which is a, uh, which is a, a bit weird. He's got a brand new contract at, at Crystal Palace, but I, I was slightly heartened when I saw that. I thought, well, fuck, not everything is buyable yet yeah. anyway maybe down the line of course and maybe Arsenal will be the ones who do it and and but I I, I just I like that story oh, I totally agree I, I felt like some form of sanity had returned yes, yeah it, just a it, smidgen of common sense in the world somebody thinking well hold on, they've got players that play on the wing you know why they if, if, if I wanted him to say that to me you know I mean yeah. they've got players that play in my position even some of them with a left foot like me, you know? So why am I going to put my career under threat there? And I'm so glad that's worked out the way it's worked out because that that's what matches my thinking. But I'm also aware that some people with the contract lengths are so long. When you sign on that line, you are made for life immediately, mm. you know? And that is very difficult for people to turn away from, you know? The problem becomes Chelsea's problem when they want to sell you at a certain point. But when you sign, you're guaranteed that money. You know, it's not like mm. the NFL when a portion of your money is guaranteed. You are guaranteed that money in its entirety. Do you right? think, so, um, you know, just sort of bring it back around to the schedule kind of thing. So as this, uh, the burden on players increases, 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 they, as much as anybody, are going to be aware of that. Yeah. They know how quickly an injury can uh can strike and what yeah. kind of an impact it can have on your career, you know? So, you know, player gets injured, comes back, great. Some players get injured, never quite the same again. Yeah. Their career Absolutely. trajectory, you know, which is on the up, either plateaus or goes down. So, I mean, do you think that might be part of why, you know, c certain players have been, okay, I will sign this eight-year deal. If they're mad enough to give me eight years at this amount of money, I'll fucking take it, even if it's yeah. not necessarily the best footballing decision I might make about how to get the most out of my talent. What's the team that suits me right now? What is the the club that suits me right now? I think we've seen players go to Chelsea and, you know, is it really the best place to be? Is it really what's attracting you to that club right now? Is it it's no European football? Is it it's it's crazy hedge fund manager owner? I think we know. But maybe yeah. part of the rationale in their minds is, well, short career, someone gives me a kick in the knee tomorrow, I'm fucked, and I've got this security. 
at this club. Yeah. So it's really interesting to watch the the two cultures against each other. So you've got at Arsenal, you've got, I tell you what, we're now going to lift the level of our squad competition. And actually, we don't want hardly any of you to feel secure on a sporting angle. Mm. And you've got Chelsea handing out eight-year contracts with a one-year option, <laughs> which I always find quite interesting. Yeah. And they are offering security. Now, while you have a player that's playing and is quite happy, that security feels good and you're getting value. But when a player may be losing a little bit of form and then he thinks, well, you know what? I have my contract. I have my contract. I That problem of my lack of form is now your problem, club. Yeah, It's your problem because I've got seven years to go. You know, and that's where you start to maybe lose a competitive edge. At this moment in time, Chelsea are running a very nice people factory and they're selling and buying as they see fit and they found a loophole in the rules, accounting rules, and they're maximizing it. And they have got some talent. Will it all fit to be to be confirmed? But on the human side, this is a game of competition mm. and you're looking for the, the marginal gains of five percenters and I'm not sure they're going to find that in a group of people who have got eight-year contracts in the back pocket. I'm not sure, Andrew, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I'm hoping that they have collected um, a baker's dozen of Winston Bogarts, to be perfectly honest. But let's... <laughs> the name with, he did pass through my mind as yeah, well. <laughs> exactly. Let's, uh, let's see how it all plays out. Right, we had better leave it there. I've taken up far too much of your time. Clive, a pleasure as always. Mate, loved it. You always take me places where I don't... <laughs> where we were expecting to go. Really enjoyed that, mate. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Thank you very much indeed to Clive. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Clive PAFC, at Clive PAFC. And of course, you can hear more of him on the Arsenal Vision podcast, which I'm sure you're all subscribed to. But if you're not, you should do it because it is good. So that is just about that for this week's show. I did mention, of course, that we are playing on Monday night, Crystal Palace in the Premier League. We will preview that game for our Patreon members. First, I'll be talking to Dan from HLTCO about the game, of course, their summer transfers and the season that lies ahead for them. And then, as usual, myself and Lewis will look ahead to the game from an Arsenal perspective. That will be out for you Friday afternoon. If you're not already a member, you can sign up right now. It's patreon.com forward slash arsblog, patreon.com forward slash arsblog. Instant access to all of our content on there. A Premier League preview podcast, Champions League preview podcast, loads more besides. So patreon.com forward 
forward slash arsblog. For now, have yourselves a great weekend. Let's hope everyone that we want to lose this weekend loses and loses badly. Keep fingers crossed for that. We'll catch you on the next one, folks. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Hello there, good afternoon. I am looking for some foam, please. I need uh, a new foam cover for a Shure SM7B microphone. The uh, the old one's got a bit, uh, you know, worse for wear, so to speak. So I'm uh, in the market for some brand new foam. What? What do you mean? That That can't be right. So you're telling me that some American guy called Todd came in here and bought every single bit of foam that you had and every single bit of foam that you will have for the next eight years with an option for one more year after that. That's insane. Well, I'm not surprised your husband thinks he's a, a phone trafficker. He's just not very good at it, though, is he? That's not how you traffic. Anyway, thank you for your help. I'll, uh, I'll go next door. The one d- He's bought all their foam, too. Fucking hell. Right, well, I guess there's nothing else to it but to uh, to order online. What do you mean he bought the internet? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.